0: Has anybody ever seen someone do something really, really stupid? Any takers? Because of the wonderful blessing of the ever-presence of cell phones, your most humbling moments, my most humbling moments, the most humbling moments of a whole bunch of people have been uh, irrevocably archived on YouTube for all to see. Watch some of these things. Skateboard, yeah. Workout. Here we go. This won't be hard. And go. put the straw in. It'll be easy, honey, I promise. I'm gonna stop him. I'm gonna stop him. I'm gonna, oh, no. Hey, buddy, stop working. Let's have some fun. Yeah, why why do people do things like this? By the way, you could, uh, just, you could just go onto YouTube and say the dumbest things people have ever done, and um, it gets much more intense than anything like that. Why do people do things like that? What is it that says, I know if I hang onto the chimney and jump onto the garbage can, it will look awesome? Why do people do things like that? You and I are watching them, and we know right at that moment, it's not going to end the way they think it's going to end. It's going to end a whole lot differently than they think. We can see it, but they can't. I suppose one might say that might be the difference between a wise person and a foolish person. But there's a little bit more to it than that. In the section of the Bible that we're reading this week, if you've been reading along with us, we've been going along uh, for 90 days with Jesus. And in these 90 days, we're reading the four eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, we started in September, and in the very first week we were reading, we read a section of Matthew that is well known, Uh, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, and that's in uh, the first few chapters of Matthew. We come to that again, except this time it's Luke's version. And Luke has a much more concise, it's a little bit more compact, but nonetheless, it's just as substantive, just as impacting in all that. When Jesus is done talking about wise and foolish people, he matter-of-factly states that the difference between wisdom and foolishness is not whether or not you're recorded on YouTube. The difference is whether or not we listen to and obey Jesus. It's just that simple. It, it, it seems a little bit more difficult the more we get into this, but the measurement of wisdom and foolishness is our obedience of Jesus. Jesus gets done telling a bunch of different things, and when he's uh, done, he just says a, a, tells a simple story to illustrate what wise people do, and what foolish people do. Now before I read the story to you, let me give you a little bit of a setting here. Jesus is, is traveling around and there are a bunch of people that are following him. And when he presents this material, he is both unteaching and teaching. What do I mean by unteaching? Many of you, uh, if you've uh, come up to someone and they might be thinking something that isn't necessarily correct or doing something that isn't necessarily correct and we stop them and we say, no, that's not necessarily the right way. Let me teach you. That's that's not the right way. That's unteaching. Let me teach you the right way. That's teaching. Jesus said it a little bit differently. If you remember reading in Matthew, he said, you have heard it said this, but I tell you this, he's unteaching and teaching at both the same time. So when he's uh, done with the unteaching and the teaching, he wraps it up with the simple five, six sentence story. Um, uh, and, and he wants you and I to understand that the things that he teaches in Luke chapter 6 cannot and should not be uh, understood or even misunderstood as nothing more than irrelevant religious platitudes. You know, uh, nice religious phrases that we put on a bumper sticker or on a placemat on the dining room table, and that's about the extent of how far they go. That's not the point at all. Um, Jesus' words carry enormous weight and powerful influence in my life and in yours. In other words, what Jesus is saying, the parable about the wise and foolish builder, when he gets to the bottom line, he tells, tells this story. He's asking this question. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said about what a, re, uh, what a blessing looks like in the lives of real people? Did you hear what I said about judging people and being, uh, and loving your enemies? Did you hear what I said about being very careful to measure the difference between good and evil in your heart? Did you hear what I said? And after talking about all that, then he tells this story. Luke chapter 6, starting in the 46th verse. He says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you do not do what I say? Well, that's subtle. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and does not obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. It's a simple story about the difference between living wisely and not living wisely. The measure of wisdom and or foolishness that Jesus gives is the measure of our individual ability to listen to Jesus and then apply what he says to our lives every day. That's his, his uh, measure of wisdom. It's not about having a good realtor or a good architect. It, that's not what this is about. It's about following Jesus wherever he leads, wherever he leads. In this story, Jesus is about as bold as he can be when he gets done with this story. The only other time, in my opinion, that Jesus is more bold than this is when he just simply declares that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. This is about as bold as he gets. When he tells that story, I want you to understand that he wants our lives to be anchored in him. Our lives should be anchored in Jesus. Now, I use that word intentionally, anchored, because what it means is there's only so far that we can go. We've got got some length of chain and we've got some freedom to do some things, but we have the freedom to do what Jesus wants us to do, not the freedom to do what we want to do, that really is the difference between wisdom and foolishness. Um, this, is, um, this is why he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? This is the hard part, guys. This really is. This is where we begin to separate people who just like Jesus and people who want to follow Jesus. Jesus. This is the hard part. This is where we wince. We hear that word obedience and we tend to just well, I'm not too sure about that. We like the blessing part, we like the mercy part, we like the grace part, but that following part with obedience, ah. Uh, we resist that. It's, it's hard. Jesus doesn't say these things in legalese. In other words, in seven-point type on multiple pages at the bottom of the page. And when we read it, we're really not sure what he's saying because we might need somebody who knows a little more to explain it to us. That's not the way that he says this. He puts it right out there. Because you and I, when we are called to follow Jesus, we self-limit our decisions. It's called discipline. And it develops over time. We we get better at it, but we self-limit our life choices. Obedience for the believer, if I could sum this up in one simple bumper sticker sentence, obedience for the believer is never enforced. It is always chosen. We choose to follow him. We choose to obey him. That is, in Jesus teaching is the difference between wisdom and foolishness now when Jesus for example talks about judging he uses what's tantamount to comedy he really does it's 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 lighthearted humor in chance paraphrase version it kind of goes like this did you did you did you see that There's this guy who's walking down the street. He's got a fence post sticking out of his eye. And he's he's, he's having a hard time even staying balanced, let alone seeing. And while he's trying to do all that, he bumps into a guy because he can't see him. And, And as he bumps into the guy, he gets mad at the guy. And he says, what are you doing? Why don't you watch where you're going? you got your glasses are dirty. Can you clean them up for a little bit? People are going, well, it's not about the guy's glasses. It's about the pole in your eye. And Jesus doesn't waste any time explaining it just in case we miss it. He basically says, you know what? I think we need to worry first and foremost about our own lives before we start talking to other people and telling them how to clean up theirs. Now you'd say, Shan, why in the world would we wince about that? I mean, that's kind of common sense. Yeah, it is. But you and I in our social media worlds don't really hesitate to judge somebody else that we've never met, never seen, and don't know. In fact, we tend to enjoy it. In his book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed, John Ronson is interested not only in what shaming does to the shamee, the person that's receiving the ridicule, but to the shamer, the person that's giving it. And neither one are blessed. In fact, both of them are cursed. He says that um, being shamed destroys the souls and brutalizes everyone involved, the onlookers included. Public shaming, in other words, diminishes diminishes all involved. Whether we admit it or not, our media-obsessed cultures takes a certain sadistic pleasure in witnessing the downfall of others. Even if it's on YouTube. Especially if those others are people that we do not agree with, and even more so, if we do not like them. Public shaming is an expression of the, listen to this. Public shaming is an expression of the mass pleasure at the misfortune of others. It's not humanity's most admirable emotion. At all. Consider what uh, Jesus also says about loving your enemies. What Jesus said then to the people who were hearing it for the first time was just as shocking as it is to you and me hearing it today. Jesus did not say, tune me in on this. Jesus did not say, be kind to one another and respect one another. He said, love one another. And he even said, Love your enemies, the people who don't just simply wish you harm, the people who do harm to you. It was bizarre to people in the first century, and it's just as bizarre to you and me in this century. Recently, comedian and talk show host Ellen DeGeneres came under fire when she attended a Dallas Cowboys football game uh, at the guest invitation of former president george bush it wasn't bad enough that she went as their guest when the picture that you see on the left showed up that she was actually enjoying herself people were furious livid and the verbal bloodbath that took place online and i use those words intentionally was almost unbelievable Right now, some of you might be saying, you you don't understand. When he was president, he tried to... Mm. Mm." And maybe on the other side, someone might say, you don't understand. He was sitting there and she was with her wife and they were... Mm." Just stop because this is not about Ellen and it's not about George. That's not what this is about she was publicly lambasted for saying that you really can be kind to people that you disagree with. And the reason why that was so shocking, what you're seeing on on the left of the picture right there was so shocking is because it's not common today. We're not encouraged to be kind. We're encouraged to let them have it with a whole bunch of people cheering us on. And the problem is, when she said, you can be kind, we misunderstand that that's the standard. It's not. Because you know what? You can be kind for just a couple of hours to anybody and seem to forget what they might have done in the past. You can withstand the willingness to just let them have it for a couple of hours and just be respectful but in the end, we're still just keeping score. In the end, we're not necessarily being kind as, just as, as much as we are just not talking. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't say, I want you to be kind to your enemies. He said, I want you to love them. What Jesus is saying to you and me, he's he's asking the question, do you want to build over here or do you want to build over here? Do you want to build a life that simply sounds like Jesus or do you want to build a life that lives like Jesus? That's the choice. And depending upon where you build is the difference between wisdom and foolishness. This isn't about Ellen or George. It's about Brandt. His name is Brandt Jean. This is about doing what you're not supposed to or not doing what you're expected to do. This is about loving someone who irrevocably damaged your family. This is about loving someone who killed your brother. This is about a young black man loving a white police officer who just got convicted for murdering your brother. It does not get any more intense and more visceral in our culture. And yet Jesus says, love. Do you happen to know how old this man is, this young man is? Does anybody know? Does anybody know what, this, what the age is of this young man who in a court of law just witnessed the conviction and the sentencing of the woman who irrevocably changed his life and his family's life? His family and he will never be the same because of what this woman did. This young man is 18 years old. He's 18. And in a court of law, he said this, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and you ask him, he will forgive you. I love you just like anyone else. I'm not going to say that I hope you rot and die just like my brother did. But I personally want the best for you. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that Botham would want you to do. The district attorney who was in the courtroom at that time said, in his 38 years of practicing law, he cannot remember anything like this. Because kindness might be remembered for the day, but loving your enemies makes headlines it changes people. It makes a memory. It makes us want to do more than just tolerate someone for two hours or three hours at a football game. This is what we're called to. To make a difference because of the love that we received and can pass it on again. The love that Jesus gave to us, we can give to others. This is the difference that he calls us to. And why it was so powerful. You see, choosing to not want your house to be wiped out is actually really easy. Choosing to not have your life or, your family's li- or the lives of your family completely and totally messed up is actually really easy. Obedience when there's no threat is a piece of cake. But obedience when your reputation is on the line. When your job is on the line. That's really hard. Choosing to be obedient when you're angry because someone has said some horrible things about you or done some things that will forever change you or because of sin has marked you or your family and it'll never be the same. That's when it's hard. That's why we wince. It's hard because it doesn't seem fair. It seems like the person who did the worst thing possible gets away with everything. That's what it seems like. Seems like. It's wrong until we remember what Jesus did. It's wrong until we remember what he went through, what he suffered wrongly, unfairly. Being wise and being foolish is not so much about intellect as it is about surrender. Surrender. We're afraid to surrender because we think we might just get stomped on and someone else who did the stomping is going to get away with it. That's not how this works for the believer. Jesus, who knows what it's like to be wrongly accused, unfairly arrested, illegally tried, corruptly convicted, and viciously executed, knows how much this hurts. Jesus loved people, and because he loved people, they crucified him. And when they crucified him, they thought that was the end of it, but they didn't know. God did, but they didn't. That's where the power is. You and I don't surrender to Jesus. You and I don't follow Jesus, trust Jesus, obey Jesus, simply because he went through a little more than we did. That he has a few more scars than we did, and so out of respect, we follow him. No! That's overwhelming. Because after a while, when we're really under it, when we're really being pressured, our worlds get really, really small. And we frankly don't care what someone else is going through. We're concerned about ourselves. And then we remember, Jesus reminds us, listen, I know what this is like. I understand what this is like. And here's the deal. You can't see the joy that's coming for you, but I can. You can't see the hope that's just around the corner, but I know it's there. So you can trust me. And because you can trust me, you can obey me. You can surrender because I'm telling you in the end, it's going to be okay. And when you trust me and you obey me, you, dear one, you, wounded one, you, worried and angry and frustrated and confused, you will be blessed. And that is wisdom. The wise person follows and obeys the one who knows what's coming tomorrow. The wisest person that ever lived was named Solomon. And Solomon wrote this. Everything you were taught can be put into just a few words. Respect and obey God. This is what life is all about. Wisdom or foolishness. God, thank you so much for loving us, for being patient with us. God, we look around and there are times when we see so much cruelty and unfairness, things that aren't right. And sometimes they even impact our lives. There are things that wound us and forever scar us, there are things that just crush our hearts. And yet because we know who you are we know what you have done and we know what you can do. In our despair we quit. But you bring us hope. In our confusion we wander around but you give us the way that we should go. In our In our frustration, we become tired and inevitably are exhausted, but you give us strength and courage because you know what's coming. You, the king of tomorrow and the ruler of today, bless us and encourage us. Father, help us to not be discouraged when we want to follow you, but encourage us to be obedient, not because we're keeping score, but because we love you and we're grateful for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for helping us. Lord, we want to do what you say, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.